If you don't have an email list, then you don't have a direct line to your customers. Reaching your clients, audience, supporters, and fans with the right message at the right time in the right place becomes easy when you've got a strategic email list in place. My email list is the number one way I drive profits in my business. And major bonus here, it's a lot easier and way more fun than you might think. That's why I'm teaching a free live workshop all about growing your email list called From Zero Subscribers or Zero Strategy to an Engaged Email List That Lasts. I'll show you how to kick off your email list building strategy with no fear because I know it can be scary to start something new in your business. Save your virtual seat at growanemaillist.com. Inside of my free live workshop, you'll learn why email marketing is 10 times more effective than posting on social media, my secret to sending out weekly emails without adding a ton of work to my plate, my best tips for getting people to hit subscribe, and what to actually say to them to convert them from subscribers to paying clients and customers. Save your seat now at growanemaillist.com. That's growanemaillist.com to get started with an email list strategy that drives real results. I'll see you at the masterclass. Yeah, it's been amazing to watch you because your priorities definitely shifted. And I feel like you're still a crazy, strong, amazing business person, but you put huge emphasis on being a mom and a parent and being present. Hey, my name is Jenna Kutcher, and I am obsessed with all things business, marketing, numbers, and helping you to navigate both the messy and the magical seasons of this thing called life. I'm a small town mama who took a $300 camera, grew a successful photo biz, and now I work from home and run a seven-figure online business. I teach you the tried and true secrets to building a career you adore. Shy away from the real talk? (laughs) No way. Money, hardship, growth, loss, and marketing are all topics we discuss here. Think of this as your one-stop shop for happy hour with a gal pal mixed with business school. Pull up a seat, make sure you're cozy, and get ready to be challenged and encouraged while you learn. This is the Gold Digger Podcast. I remember growing up and arguing with my mom about silly things like unloading the dishwasher or not getting a cell phone until I turned 16. And my mom would always say, someday when you're a mom, you'll understand. And I told her today, mom, I get it. You were right. You were right. She always said, the older I get, the smarter my mother is. I see why she did things in a certain way or why she implemented different values. And so today you get to listen into a conversation with my mom and not just a conversation, but I was able to ask her questions generated by you, the listeners. My mom is an incredible figure in my life. I am so, so grateful for the relationship that we have and that we share. And I wanted to just share a little bit more about my life behind the scenes from somebody who literally knows me the best. I know the way that I look at my mom has absolutely transformed in my own journey as a mother. And today we're going to be talking about parenting. We're going to be talking about career. We're going to be talking about can the modern day women have both and do both when it comes to career and motherhood. We're going to be talking about values and compassion and empathy and all different topics. And I cannot wait to interview my hero and have you listen in. So without further ado, meet my mom, Sue Shellerud. It is such a pleasure to share the business podcasting space with the man, the myth, the legend, John Lee Dumas. We're both on the HubSpot Podcast Network, and honestly, his podcast is among the elite veterans of the field. 
Entrepreneurs on Fire stokes inspiration and shares strategies to fire up your entrepreneurial journey and help you create the life you've always dreamed of. He tackles topics that I know you'll love in a clear, concise, and actionable way with episodes like how to dramatically improve conversions and marketing performance, how to master sales, persuasion, and influence, and how to build, design, launch, and grow a small company. Trust me, Entrepreneurs on Fire is a wealth of information for business owners just like you. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, I am sitting here with this guest who I tried to get on my podcast for so long. She was impossible to book. She was wildly busy and she rolled her eyes at me. (laughs) This is an interview with my mom. Hi, mom. Hi, Jenna. I am so excited. You've been on the show before, so you're no stranger to the Gold Digger podcast. However, when we were talking this morning, we realized it has literally been years since you've been on and a lot has changed in the past years. Mm-hmm. At the time, last time I was with you, you were pregnant with Coco. Yeah. So that was quite a while ago. Yeah. No kidding. So I'm excited because we actually had people putting questions in that they wanted you to answer, which one I think is super cool because I think it's a testament to people seeing how much you mean to me. But two, I think it there's a lot of curiosity around kind of the behind the scenes. We see different brands or personas or people online and it's kind of like, what are they like behind the scenes? And I think when you get to know people's family, it kind of paints a different picture. And so you're going to help me paint today. How does that sound? That sounds good. I hope I can paint as good as Coco. It's true. She's a great artist. Okay. So the first question came from K.R. Johnson. And it is, what is one thing that you think all moms should instill in their daughters? And I mean, this is kind of a selfish pick on my part, because now that I have two girls, I'm like, okay, what do I want to instill in them? I would say self-confidence. And I think you're honestly doing a great job at that. But I think for sons and daughters both, but I think sometimes with the world we live in, maybe daughters need, I don't know, it's just a different world out there sometimes. So I would say self-confidence. And an example I can think of with my mom on that, when I was younger, I wanted to be a mom and she told me to get an education and just really empowered me to have my own options where I could be not only a mom that I wanted, but also have a profession. So I feel like my mom kind of emulated that. And she did it later in life where I think she wished she would have done it sooner. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I love that. And yeah, my grandma went back to school when she was older, 50, yeah, to become a nurse Uh and just pursued that dream of hers a little later in life. And so I think that encouragement to you then kind of passed down to us as well. And there was never really any pressure for us to get married or do any of those traditional things from you, which I think is important. And I'm sure we'll talk about in just a minute. So I love this question. Jill Gottenstratter said, top three tips on bringing up compassionate children. Well, I think that for all the parents out there and even aunts and uncles and people, I think you realize that kids are like sponges and they really model what they see and hear. So I think for raising compassionate children to see me being compassionate to them and myself and others was probably maybe my top tip. But another thing I think I I was thinking back, like when they were younger, I've always been kind of an empath on looking at people that were maybe being left out. So I remember even talking to them 
like in grade school and saying, well, there's this new person in school. What do you think it'd be like to be new? How can you be kind to them? Or if somebody was being bullied, I think I challenged them, I think, when they were young to champion for people that maybe were being the underdogs. And I always had a heart for that. And even as a teacher in a community college, I always felt compassion toward the ones that were on the fringe or left out, like I wanted to bring them into the fold. So I don't know. I think too, yeah, what you say, it's like, especially with Coco, you realize kids literally watch and hear everything. And she'll say something and I'm like, where did she get that? And I'm like, that was the line from me. <laughs> so I do think that modeling is huge and modeling in all areas of your life too. I think a lot of times we show compassion maybe to our children, but we don't show it to other people and they're still watching every single thing. One thing that I think about is when we were in Arizona, we got into the car after visiting with you and grandma and grandpa and Coco takes a deep breath and she's like, it was so nice to see them. And I was like, where did she learn that? And I recognized like every time we had been with you guys, every time we'd get in the car, we'd say, oh, that was such a nice visitor. It was so nice to be with them. And you know, those are moments where you don't think your children are listening, but then you're like, oh my gosh, she literally is listening to every single thing. That is so true. So yeah, I think just really to think about that. And another thing I've been in my older life been thinking more about is like self-compassion. And Kristen Neff, I've been listening to a lot of her podcasts and meditations and stuff too. And um, I think it's sometimes easy for women to be compassionate to others, but not always ourself. And I think that's a huge role modeling that I think I've gotten better at in my later years. Yeah, I think that's huge too. And we're going to talk about this next one actually might be touching on that just a bit. But one of the biggest questions, Kelly J. Dodge said, what did your mom do to give you your body confidence during a time when that was not common? And I think I have an answer, but if you want to go first, you can. I'm curious. You go first. Okay. One thing that I think is so interesting, and I don't know, I don't think people will twist it, but Literally, I think my favorite conversations with you growing up was when you were in the bathtub and I would sit on the toilet next to you. You never got alone time because I just barge in, but we would just sit and talk and you never hid your body from us or like felt shameful in that. Like it wasn't like you were parading around the house naked, but if you were changing and we walked in the room, we would just talk like everything was normal. And I feel like We've done that with Coco as well. I mean, she's naked a lot of the time in our house. And I think that the moment that you teach kids to hide is the moment that they think things could become shameful or kind of misconstrue that. And of course, there are safety and boundaries that we put in place around bodies. But at the same point too, I mean, even to this day, if you were in the bathtub, I'd still come up and talk to you. It's not this thing that you want to hide. And I think a lot of my memories of like real conversations that we had were just you chilling in the bath. I mean, you take very long baths. So. <laughs> I take long, long baths, like probably five, six nights a week for an hour and a half, two hours at a time. Now that I'm this age, younger though, I took them a lot. That was my like, self, I don't know. As I say that. I yeah. Yeah. And Kate even, I mean, to this day, Kate, my youngest will even say, mom, I took baths with you forever. I'm like, you did not take them with me forever. But she has memories of being in the bathtub with me for a long, long time. So yeah, I just love baths. I, I think too, I remember in grade school too, I was super proud because I had a strong body so I could beat the boys arm wrestling and even into junior high. So I was kind of proud of my strength. When I was little growing up, my grandma 
you did a Finnish name. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but you call me Bulalumpy, which meant hunk of lead. Like I was so solid and people would try to lift me and they go like, mm, but you know, so I mean, I felt like I was a solid girl, but I was also a strong girl. So I don't know. I think you were always careful with conversation around our bodies and you always would make sure like dad was careful with what he would say about bodies as well. Cause I think it's interesting sometimes with Drew, I will like tell him like, okay, if Coco toots, like don't make her feel embarrassed about that. Like most women are taught to like hide those things. And it's like everybody farts like, and just like, I think I'm super mindful of like, I just don't want girls to be embarrassed about their bodies. Like when the time comes that my daughters get their periods, I don't want them to be ashamed of like their menstrual cycle. Like I want them to be empowered with it. And I think you've kind of helped start that narrative. And then I think this generation, like me and Kate are just like carrying that forward to an even bigger intensity. But I don't, I think when it comes to body confidence, I think some of that is innate and then some of it was given. I think that's parenting in general. Right, right. Okay. Next question. Oh, this is from my friend, Nina K beauty. She did my eyebrows. Don't they look great? What is something she saw her mom do that she carried into being a mother? Well, my mother was super resourceful. Still is. Still is very much. And she grew up very poor and she also grew up losing her mom in childbirth when she was five years old. So she always said she didn't really have a mom for a role model, but she really wanted her children to have experiences she didn't have. So when I look back on my childhood and my youth, um, my mom really worked hard and was resourceful. Now I'm kind of in awe of how she did it, but you know, we had piano lessons and swim lessons and Bible camp. And she really kind of balanced out the opportunities we had when we really didn't have a lot of resources. She just kind of made it happen. And you had foster kids. And we had foster kids too. So we had throughout the years, a total of 20 foster kids in our home starting when I was in fifth grade. And I think that was expanding for me too. And I was kind of at, I remember I was at that babysitting kind of age when we first got them. Their names were Todd and Harry. They were two and four. But it made me also realize how different backgrounds were in regarding other children's environments, both culturally and economically and parent support and addictions and all those things. So I feel like it widened my childhood. There were definitely some challenges and it wasn't always easy and not everyone worked out. Some were short term, some were years, but yeah, it was, yeah, that broadened my childhood a lot, I think. I think that's beautiful too, because even like speaking of like a lack of resources, but extra resourcefulness and then still being compassionate to being giving and stretching. Mm-hmm. There's always that quote where it's like, if you can't give $10 out of a hundred, you'd never be able to give like 10,000 out of a hundred thousand and just giving where you're at with what you can. And that just expands as you expand, which I think is beautiful. Right. When I look back to it, my mom, she also quietly behind the scenes, like on a holiday, she'd be delivering meals to like bachelors that didn't have family members and bringing them blankets and washing clothes. And she did a lot of quiet things behind the scenes. And now I'm like, oh, cool, mom, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. 
That's so cool. Okay. So this is from Zara Sarfaraz. And she says, how did she raise three amazing high achiever children? What was her secret for context? So I am the middle child. I have an older brother, younger sister. We are all entrepreneurs in our own right. And we're all, we always kind of joke. It's like we're 50% identical, 50% opposites. Like that's how we all are. Where there's a lot of shared similarities, but we're all very different children and we achieve at different levels and we measure success in different ways. And we've always been that way. So I want to know what was the secret? Hmm. Well, sometimes dad and I just kind of like shake our head because we both, again, work the traditional roles forever. So many entrepreneurs, I know have entrepreneurial parents, which none of you did. But, you know, we also talk in our era companies vested in people, there were pensions, and now there's not those incentives for your generation. So I think entrepreneurship is a bigger draw and trend for many reasons. But why did you do what you do? Like, I think we, I always like that. I don't know if I'm saying it right, that Cahill Gabron, that poem, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but your children are not your children. I kind of read that poem a lot when you were growing up. And I looked at you as I want you to be independent and be your own person. And I want to be, I want you to be the strongest person you can be. And that's my job to raise you to be independent. And I did feel like when you were growing up, I tried to, like Joe was at one point really into connects and Legos and engineering things. So I found an engineering camp for him, or you were thinking about being a vet. So I called the vet to sign up like, you know, I tried finding opportunities to tap into what you were excited about at the time. And, or even you went and watched surgery because you were thinking about being a doctor for a while. So I tried to make things happen in a way that you could explore. So I think that maybe gave you confidence. And I always believed in all of you. (laughs) Dad and I had you work hard though. I mean, you all got jobs at young ages you had to earn, you know, if you wanted something special, you had to earn it. I was thinking of entrepreneurial things that I did, though, in in my own right, maybe like, I think you shared in the book you wrote, how are you really where you talked about, you were in gymnastics, you kept climbing up to higher levels. And financially, the monthly cost was higher. And we seriously couldn't afford it. So I came up with a contract to the owner and just said, if I do this work in the gym, could we get tuition covered? And then every year I'd come up with a new contract. So that was entrepreneurial. Or I was thinking some other examples like um, face painting. I called the city of Duluth and grandma's marathon's a big marathon and they have a whippersnapper children's race. And I just called the city of Duluth and you guys at the time, you and Joe wanted bikes. And I thought, well, you should earn them. You appreciate it more if you earn them. And I called the city of Duluth and said, could we do a little face painting business? They're like, sure. So we just set up, you know, I, we practiced at home and had a little poster of Nike swishes and smiley faces and flowers. And you guys made a lot of money. We had a long line and, you know, I just called and made that happen. Or another one I thought of, because you wanted to go to Lake Owen gymnastic camp and it was expensive. And again, you know, financially it was just tight. And I also felt like I didn't want disproportionately a lot of money to go into you and not Joe and Kate. I mean, not that everything is equal, but it just seemed unbalanced. So I called the camp and asked if I could be a nurse and then that would cover your tuition. So I was a nurse for a week when you weren't even there. So I just tried to be creative to make things happen, almost like the barter system from long ago. So maybe I'm a little 
entrepreneurial. <laughs> You're very entrepreneurial. And I mean, these are all like examples. We had lemonade stands as kids, like, and we lived literally in the middle of nowhere. I'm, I'm convinced. Tell me this. Did you ever call our neighbors and be like, please drive by and get lemonade because these kids are sitting outside in the hot sun? Okay. Because we literally lived on a dirt road in the country where there was very little traffic and we would set up and make Kool-Aid stands or lemonade stands to earn money. But I mean, you definitely have always been someone that like Drew always says, like the power of persuasion, you are very persuasive, but in your own gentle Minnesota nice way. (laughs) And I love that. And I think too, what's so cool about us as siblings is that we all, because you foster different interests in each of us, there was never this huge competitive edge between us where it's like we can champion each other and there are similarities in what we do or similarities in our approaches. But there was never this like direct competition of like, I need to be the best at this or I need to beat my sister or I need to, you know. So I think that was really cool too, how you fostered the different interests. And You guys, so I told my mom, like, this is literally what she did. Like, there's a time where I was like, I think I want to be a vet. So she called the local vet and was like, can Jenna come in and job shadow you? And I was probably like 10, right? And I had to watch a turtle get dissected, a cat get fixed and something else. And I was like, I don't want to be a vet anymore. I thought that they just snuggled puppies all day. And then I said, I want to be a surgeon. And I went in and watched colonoscopies, a gallbladder removal and a hernia surgery for the day. And actually, I thought it was really fast. Fascinating, but then I was like, okay, again, not exactly what they show on TV. <laughs> but how cool that you like created those experiences too that allow us, you know, a lot of times what people think they want and what they really want might be different. And you gave us the chance to make those decisions and explore that, which I think is great. Right. And then all of you, I mean, all three of you did pay for your own college. I know I went through nursing school and I paid my own way and that was, again, more a necessity for me. And I think for our family, too, it was more a necessity. I think by the time Kate came, we could have helped her more, but we didn't feel that was right to do it for her and not you guys. So I do feel like you were all invested in it. And you all finished in your four years and you even double majored. And so but it's interesting when you think that like Joe, for example, is a chemical engineer and then has his master's in business. So you might picture him in a traditional like he was like a project manager for a big company or you with Target or, you know, Kate is a RN, like all of you could have been doing those traditional roles you went to school for, but you've all pivoted and gone entrepreneurial. And it's interesting because I taught at a community college for years to think of like how much of that education helped mold you and give you confidence or how, do you know what I mean? Like what was the launching pad or what broadened you or would you have done that without? Or I don't know. It's interesting for me to pull that all together. Yeah. And I don't know if we ever will. And even Drew and I were talking the other day about like, okay, if the girls want to go to college, we would obviously encourage it. Who knows what the landscape will be in 20 years. However, like for us, the college experience was more about like the socializing, doing life on your own, friendships. I mean, obviously the education piece is huge, but I do believe that there are now more non-traditional paths to learning, obviously with the internet the way it is. So it is fascinating to think about like, well, we'll kind of help encourage our children in the right way. But if they have a great idea and are ready to run with a business because they've seen what we've been able to do with businesses, you know, it just 
an interesting landscape to think of like we're first generational entrepreneurs and then like what does that look like for the next we don't know you know it is interesting so yeah I don't know how at all I'm a pro education person I'm a lifelong learner but I also do think though those formative years you do mature a lot I mean there's a lot of variables in there we debate all the time, like nature versus nurture. Like me and mom will be like, what percentage do you think is this? And what, you know, and it's like, I think parenthood is just such a mix and it's a mixed bag. And I think too, nowadays, like if something is wrong or if something's not going right, we blame ourselves. But then at the same point too, if something's going great. We're like, oh, we're just lucky. And it's like, wait a second. There is this like balance, this duality all of the time that should have us extending grace for ourselves, but also recognizing that there are innate things about human beings. Each soul is different. Like I feel like Quinn being as tiny as she is, she has this little soul and this little character about her already. And so, yeah, I think the nature versus nurture thing is really interesting. And I think that we as siblings are a very good example of that, where we are all very different, but there are a ton of similarities. And those are probably from our shared experiences or shared environment. Right. And I do think children, and I can even say like my students, I do think people rise up to what you expect of them. And I do think like children, for example, if you say they're bad or stupid, I had a lot of students that were adults that still had those messages resonating with them and they were hard to get rid of. So my point is like people and children, especially parenting, I think really rise up to what you believe and expect of them. And I think that for yourself too, like what you believe you can become. But I know many times teaching, I'd often hear like, oh, a really hard class or a bad class or a disruptive class. And I, I don't know, like I didn't see that. But also I think they'll rise up to what you expect, you know? You know me. I love discovering new tools that I can share with you to help you work smarter. And if you're anything like me, you might be running your business from the kitchen counter or the kids' playground. So having tools that travel with you are essential. From marketing to sales and service, HubSpot has tons of tools that help you run and scale your business easily from anywhere. One of my favorite tools is mobile inboxes, where all of your incoming email and live chats go to one shared location, meaning your whole team can work from one place and easily manage your sales and customer support. So easy, right? Then there's the custom surveys from HubSpot. With a custom survey, you can solicit feedback with unlimited questions, diverse question types, and easy shareability. Leverage the insights you collect to enhance your customer experience and deepen your customer relationships. Learn how your business can grow better at HubSpot.com. Hey, Gold Diggers. Lately, I've been getting excited to finish furnishing our new home, which is why I want to tell you about a brand that we absolutely love, which is Article. I have been a fan and a customer of Article for years. I'm always blown away by the curated assortment of furniture styles they offer. They have mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandinavian, and even boho designs. There is something for everyone, no matter your taste. In our last house, we had their sofa and leather chairs. At our lake house, we have their dining table and chairs. We also just ordered some of their outdoor furniture for our new patio. Like, if you can't tell, we are obsessed with Article. The quality and style are top-notch. Article's online-only model means that they can offer some great prices with fast and hassle-free delivery. Pick the delivery time that works for you, and they keep you updated every step of the way. Article's customer 
team is also amazing. They're knowledgeable, friendly, and I was there when you need them. If you're like me and you're itching to give your home a makeover, I highly recommend checking out Article. They believe in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their commitment to style, quality, and affordability, it's never been easier to transform your space. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash gold digger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash gold digger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. All right. Well, now we are moving on to motherhood in a different context. So if you listen to my birth story with Quinn, you probably heard about my mom getting doula certified prior to Quinn's birth, which was literally like the month before she was due due to COVID restrictions in the hospital changing. We were down to just one support person and a certified doula. And my mom was like, I will get certified. And we weren't sure. It kind of started as a joke that turned into a real reality. So Jacqueline Nariana says, what was your mom's experience like getting doula certified? Yeah, so this happened probably maybe four to six weeks prior to the birth. So again, I feel like I'm resourceful at figuring out educational opportunities. So I researched how I could get doula certified so I could be present for them. And my background, I've been an RN for coming up on 42 years, and I did teach for a long time in OBNP. So I felt really strong in that category. So I found an online course kind of at your own pace with the certification that I did. It was honestly, again, I'm a lifelong learner. So it was a different role than the RN. And there were different research and stats on it that I found intriguing. So it was almost like a refresher for me. I thought, again, I love to learn. So I thought it was fun and interesting. And I liked it. And I did well on the test. Um, Yeah, so it was a good, good fit for me. It was amazing because she was like texting me different statistics and being like, Okay, so the doula person is like the support person. Tell me about your birth plan. And like, I mean, you actually really took the role seriously. I mean, you weren't just doing it just to get a pass into the thing. You were like, I'm going to I'm going to live up to it, which I loved. You were very committed. And then host collection said, so what was it actually like being a doula for your daughter? And you were there with Coco's birth, but it wasn't necessarily in that role. And since you weren't just acting the part, you were actually doing the actual doula work. It was a little bit different of an experience, I think. Yeah, I think so too. I think I went in with a different mindset. Both Jen and Drew were upfront with me though prior that they felt I was going to be more a doula for Drew than Jenna. And if you heard the birth story, that is the truth. I think Jenna, when she, Jenna does have a high pain tolerance and when she's in pain, she kind of goes more internal. So a lot of doula support can be different comfort measures and you often just wanted to tune into yourself and I you know honored that obviously but then you know Drew did need support (laughs) so I stepped up in that regard and I'm very thankful because otherwise it could have been a whole different birth scenario that was not what you envisioned both of you so I do feel like I lived up to my (laughs) expectations of what you wanted I should have paid you more literally my mom I mean Drew and you have probably one of the coolest relationships I have witnessed in that like it's not the typical mother-in-law relationship in any form of this scenario. You guys are really like close. You trust each other. He loves you. Thank God you were there. And I mean, literally like while I was waiting to push, like actually just waiting to get Drew to get 
together. Like you were coming up with solutions. You were literally holding on to him when Quinn came out. Like, I mean, but it was, I mean, we went into that knowing that. And I think too, like even looking at the experience, like this time you got to be in when my epidural went in, which was huge and helpful because last time you had to leave the room. So like getting to be in that role was a little bit different. And then having your background and understanding all of that. And then I think too, what was so fun is like, when we left the hospital and we were like, will you stay with us for the weekend? Like you carried your services forward for us. Right. Exactly. So yeah, it was, it was an honor and a privilege. So yeah. I think too, I had this moment. I told my mom when I was showering after giving birth, if you've ever had the privilege of giving birth, your first shower is like heaven. And I was like standing in the shower and just like thinking about like someday this could be me with my daughters, like having you in the room there. And I was like, that is so special and like so cool bringing the next generation in. And when I was born, my mom had invited both her mom and mother-in-law there. So my grandma's, I was the only birthday I ever got to witness, which is also very special. Kind of crazy. It is crazy. Yeah. And I think too, for all of you out that I have kids to think of your daughter, for example, having a baby and being there, it puts it in a perspective that maybe is hard for me to articulate. Okay. So Juana Ferreira says, what has surprised her the most while seeing her daughter becoming a mother? I think um, both dad and I have talked about it because prior to you becoming a mother, you were very into work and business and that was very much a part of you and you were energized and jazzed with it. I mean, that's a lot of who you were. And we didn't know how you would transition, honestly, but you have totally, yeah, it's been amazing to watch you because your priorities definitely shifted. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you're still a crazy, strong, amazing business person, but you put huge emphasis on being a mom and a parent and being present you're doing an amazing job at both. And I think it just surprised me how much you're really loving it. Mm-hmm. I mean, not, not that yeah. I didn't think you wouldn't, but. It is. It's, I mean, it, she's saying it in a nice way, but like before my why was business and then that transition. And I think it's easy. I mean, it's easy to like wonder like, what is that going to be like for people? Cause it is just such a massive shift of identity priority, time, everything changes. But yeah, and I think it is, I think it's interesting too, because like you always worked when we were children, you worked more part-time and you had summers off because of your job, but seeing a working mom and stuff, you know how hard it is. Like it is very tricky and, you know, requires a lot of help as well, which you are that help for us a lot. What is the biggest differences between being a grandma and a mom? Alicia Marie Rose asked this question. I'd say the biggest difference is as a grandma, you don't have the 24-7 responsibility. So you kind of get the joy and the love without the responsibility. And I think also as you get older, you have a different life perspective on time and priorities and things too. So you just kind of appreciate it more maybe. But yeah, it's awesome. Everybody says like, if I would have known what being a grandma was like, I would have done it first, which obviously you can't, (laughs) but it is like really an amazing role. And I think, I think for me and my husband to be grandparents, when we have three kids, you know, you and Joe and now Kate's expecting to know that you have strong 
kids being great parents. That makes being a grandparent easy where if your children were struggling or not parenting in a way that you felt was healthy, that could be really mind boggling and hard. But we feel very blessed that you guys are really good parents. I want to know. So when I was in Arizona, my college roommates came down to visit and it was like our first time all of us being together in so long. And there were so many conversations happening. We had 10 kids between the four of us, basically. And I was like, gosh, I wish my mom was here. I wish my mom was here. My mom would know what to say. And we were talking about everything from marriage to career to children. And I want to know, like, you almost have more of a bird's eye view in the sense of you have a longer lifespan, more experience. You know, the things that we are probably worried about or thinking about or frustrated with or focusing on or fixating on, is there anything that you wish this generation would just kind of like understand or let go of or like not put so much pressure on? Because I feel like, again, now having seeing this full circle of becoming a grandma, you probably have a different perspective where it's like the things that we're so worried about or fixated on probably don't matter. But is there anything you would tell like this generation? I would say that, you know, I kind of often will say like, will this matter in five or 10 years? Like that's often a good radar thing for things that seem like a big deal at the time, but really they're not. I also think it's more challenging for your generation with like Instagram and the comparison thing and trying to measure up where we didn't have that. So I think to realize that scrolls are often highlight reels and not real and just to be present and realize it's not all, it's hard work and nitty gritty and, you know, not to get caught up in the perfection things or the comparison that you see. And I even feel like, you know, going from even my first to third child, for example, you realize a lot of things that you think are big deals, they're really not. So, you know, (laughs) a lot of things like what class are they going to get into or what teacher and all those things. It's like, you know, I mean, whatever. I know you've done a good job, too, where it's like with Coco, she was like late on a few different little milestones and they were so minor and we weren't very worried about them, but you do start to, it's like your baby turns one and people are like, are they walking? You know, are they sleeping through the night? And there is this like weird pressure where it's like people almost don't even know how to converse or like support moms. And so then it kind of makes you feel like, am I behind or is my child behind? And it's so funny because I think you've always just encouraged like in their own timing, in their own timing. And of course, if there was actual concerns, we bring them up, but it has has just been like a good reminder of like, we're all unique. Right. Everyone's on their own schedule. It's different. And you do often say too, you're like, you know, <laughs> I remember when I was pregnant and like, I'd be like, you can't eat lunch meat unless it's, and you're like, we did not like a lot of these things were not even things. And of course, you know, there's more research and all of that, but also like we are intuitively designed to trust ourselves and to lean into our instincts and to not go down the rabbit hole of forums and all these things too, you know? Right. So I, yeah, I do think there's so many extremes on a lot of things and I think just common sense and moderation. And I always think like we did a ton of those things that would be considered taboo and you're all fine. So don't sweat it. (laughs) I know. I think it's good. Okay. Now we're shifting gears for our final few questions. Okay, Miss Lindsay J. Williams said, was she secretly nervous when you quit your corporate job to do your own thing? When you said you were going to do that again, I 
was using my interviewing skills. Tom calls me the 20 question mama, but I would, you know, I just kind of went over your game plan and I was concerned mainly about like insurance and 401ks and those kind of things that are something you don't have on your own entrepreneurial path. But when I questioned you, you had a good plan and everything in place. And yeah, so at first my gut was like, what are you doing? But then when I talked to you and I've always been too, like, if you don't try it, you're going to be no worse off, if that makes sense. So I trusted that. And then I started thinking about my own life because I quit a hospital job to go to a teaching job. And I my pay went down almost in half when I did that. But I did it more kind of when you think like time is your biggest thing. And I'm trying to think of your word. Time is your currency. Time is your currency. So even like I left what people consider a good job to go to a teaching job making way less. But I knew time with my kids was more important to me. So I kind of did a similar thing when I look back at it. Yeah. And I think too, it's like when I think of my childhood, I remember like summers with you and things like that. And with you being an educator, you had the similar breaks as us. So it was, it was different. And I mean, that's more valuable than money in a bank account if you don't have time to enjoy it. So, I mean, I think our family is kind of good at calculated risks. Like we are risk takers in certain ways, but we're also like, equipped to do the work so that it's not super risky. We kind of know what our chances are. And I think we've kind of seen that more with Joe and Kate and myself, where like we're doing the diligence to like prepare and have a plan and things like that. But I was the first one to like make the leap full time. And it was kind of straight out the gates. Like we got married and it was like, here we go. Right. Right. So it was, (laughs) you were the first. Okay. Jackie, of all things, tell us the real scoop. What's Jenna like behind the scenes? People ask this all the time. Like my hairdresser or the girl who does my brows, they're like, people will come in and they'll be like, what's she really like? Yeah. She's like who she says she's like. (laughs) So I think she is really amazing at prioritizing and boundaries and a lot of things that a lot of people might look at as huge opportunities possibly in her business world, she'll turn down because it would take away from family time or, you know, recently she did a photo shoot in Arizona and she asked to do it at home versus going into town to make it easier to be with the kids or, yeah, I feel like she is very good at boundaries and prioritizing and making motherhood a priority, but still being very amazing at her business world. Thanks, mom. I agree. And I think it's hard to communicate because I feel like I have met mentors who say one thing and then are totally different in their real life. You know, it's like they speak on stage and then their behind the scenes is like totally different. And I think people are right to like question like, is that real or is that just the gimmick or the talk? And I honestly think I'm probably more balanced offline. People just don't see that piece or like we only share just such little bits and pieces of our lives. I think we are more private than people would assume. Do you agree? I agree. I do. I mean, I think when you're on social media, people imagine or see snippets and then put this big picture of your life together And when you used to say you're more private, I'm like, what? But you really are more private than you reveal, if that makes sense. And it's not from a place of like contention. It's like 
especially now having children, I just feel like I want to like protect our bubble, protect our peace. And it's like, I'll share a minute of our day, but that's literally one minute. Like you're not seeing a lot of our lives. And I like that. And I think it's a good reminder for everyone. Like you can share enough that people feel comfortable and that they know you and that they kind of see what's important to you without seeing the whole thing. Right. I know what it's like to feel completely thrown off your game because you're just not motivated or your mind isn't in the right space. That's why I'm thrilled to tell you all about superhuman activations. Now, if meditation isn't for you, you need to try activations instead. Activations are a groundbreaking new type of audio that's this mix of a motivational podcast, cinematic music, and guided visualization. They are fundamentally different from meditation and a lot more exciting to listen to. Instead of calming you, activations are motivating, energizing, and transformative. You'll reach your goals faster whether you want to earn more money, get clarity, achieve a health goal, or feel like you're reaching your highest potential. They're essentially a shortcut to get to where you want to be and the ultimate way to visualize your future self. And you can only find them on the Superhuman app. I use and love Superhuman and find myself playing activation several times a day, whether I'm baking bread, doing my skincare, or even when I'm in the shower. Superhuman offers something completely different to other apps out there, and I cannot wait for you to try them. Take advantage of their 14-day free trial and head over to activations.com forward slash gold digger to start your trial and save over 60% off your membership. There is literally no risk. If you change your mind and forget to cancel after the trial, you're covered by their money back guarantee. The discount is only available through their website, not the app store. So visit activations.com forward slash gold digger now for over 60% off. Do not miss out on this crazy deal. They rarely do discounts and it expires soon. That's activations.com forward slash gold digger. Gold diggers, we all know the B2B landscape can be a bit complex. From lengthy buying cycles to complicated decision-making processes, reaching your target audience can be tough. But I found a solution tailored just for you. LinkedIn ads. A whopping 79% of B2B content marketers say LinkedIn produces the best results for paid media. That's because with LinkedIn ads, you're not just casting a wide net and hoping for the best. You're strategically building relationships and driving real results. We're talking about a platform with over a billion members, including 180 million senior level executives and 10 million C-level executives. You are networking with the actual decision makers. And LinkedIn's targeting and measurement tools are specifically designed for B2B marketers, meaning you're not wasting time or money on irrelevant leads. In fact, in the tech industry, LinkedIn ads have been shown to generate two to five times higher return on ad spend compared to other social media platforms. Using LinkedIn ads allows you to stay ahead of the curve when it comes to industry trends and developments, whether it's finding the perfect partner for a collaboration or uncovering new opportunities for growth, LinkedIn can be your secret weapon. Make B2B marketing everything it can be and get a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash goal to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash goal. Terms and conditions apply. On top of my many titles as mom, entrepreneur, and creative, I've also added host. Drew and I host on Airbnb on our favorite island in Hawaii. We started hosting as a way to make some extra income, and we've had such an easy breezy experience. 
Now we host year after year, and it's been a fantastic side hustle. Not to brag, but we've also been crowned Airbnb Superhost several times, so we are really killing the game. It's about having spaces we can enjoy as a family while creating memorable experiences for our guests, and it helps that we earn a little extra cash on the side. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Okay, let's see here. We're getting down to the wire. Okay, the story of Duncan House. What advice do you have for moms who do want to pursue careers after observing Jenna do both and after you've done both? I think right now there's this huge debate. And I think too, it's it's important to note that not every mother has that desire, that drive for a career at certain stages in her life. And I think being a stay-at-home mom is like probably the hardest job on planet earth. So I just want to say that is work. But for these women, we had this conversation on book club actually too, of like, can the modern day woman do both? What do you think? I think I can speak for myself. I think it is hard to do both fully. So for me personally, part-time did it. You know, I felt like my job as a nurse and an educator was fulfilling and stimulating and I felt rewarded with what I did and like I was making a difference. And then I felt recharged, honestly, coming home to my kids. But I did that three days a week for the school year. And I know if I would have done it full time, I would have felt maybe what people call that mom guilt more. I don't think I really felt it that much with the three days. I know going back after maternity leave was always emotional and those kind of things that are hard. But yeah, I do believe everybody's doing the best they can with what they got and nobody's stories are the same. And I think women sometimes are too judgy about other people's paths that are different than them. And I think we need to build up each other because we're all doing the best we can. But for me, I don't think I could have personally worked full time and parented full time in a way that I wanted to. And I know just yesterday you were showing me that little Instagram thing that's up about the first several years, first four years that are so important. And I know I've always said it and people say it's a cliche, but, you know, kids do grow up really fast. And you've seen that with Coco and even Quinn in the last Mm -hmm. couple of months. So I do think especially those first, you know, one to five years are very formative. And I just wanted to be there as much as I could for it. But I also got empowered when I worked and felt like I was a better mom and more patient. I agree. And I think that's kind of what I'm feeling. And it's it's interesting because I just... I think I've really had to lean into the idea of like, I can hit the brake pedal and still remember where the gas is when it comes to business. Like I can slow down or just work from a different pace. I think my pace has just changed where I'm still doing really big work and I'm still doing really cool things, but just the priority and the pace is different. And like my ideal world is to work part time right now for these next five years and to take very limited opportunities and to not believe that something is a big break and just to trust myself to create my own big breaks when the time is right. But yeah, the time goes by so fast and it just makes me And last night. I was like playing this audio for my mom and I was like, oh my gosh, it's going by so quick. And it's like, holy cow, it really does. And it just kind of has to, I mean... I just think if you are able to slow down, whatever that looks like for you, if it's even an hour or 10 minutes or, you know, working part time or whatever. But it is, I think it is tricky to think about like, can people do both? And it's like not without support. There's just no question about it. You cannot work full time and be a full time mom 
without the help in different areas of your life, you know? And I have seen a lot of people that have been super women. Like, for example, a lot of my nursing students were in school and working and single parents and they did it and they were doing a rock star job. And I think kids also learn like, here's mom working hard, getting an education. Like there's a lot of lessons from that too. Um, so yeah, everybody has different paths. I, I just can say what's was right for me. Okay. The last question came in from a follower. It says, where do you find the good in every day when our world can be such a dark place? Well, you and I were talking about this too, how since our last interview, the world has changed so much with COVID and I had my feet injury and it was, you know, all the political scene and now there's just a lot of stuff. So I've always been an optimistic person. I think people are kind of genetically wired. Then there's also a lot of research that shows that you can influence how you look at the world. And I I do choose to, I feel like life is short and I do choose to look at the positive because I feel like that's best for my mental health, you know? So I've always tried to see the good in people and situations and that's how I've been wired. But yeah, I know I was in a dark place after my injury and with COVID and isolation, you know, that was real. But then sometimes too, the perspectives make, you know, you have to have the valleys to get the peaks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's been since her last interview, we've, there's been a lot of life happening, yeah. real life happening. And I think too, you know, watching the world go through adversity, watching your loved ones go through adversity, it's heavy. But my mom also like prioritized her healing and, you know, learned how to ask for help in different ways and did things like go on a silent meditation retreat, (laughs) things like that, where, you know, you've got to kind of figure out what do I need in this season and how do I figure that out and what do I need to block out and what do I need to bring more of into my life? And I feel like watching you navigate all of that has been very inspiring for all of us. So... Mom, thank you for coming back on the show. Oh, thank you for having me. We get to sit and have coffee now. I bet you're all going to be jealous. But thank you so much for everything you've done. I was telling you off air that Drew and I do this little couple app every day. And the question yesterday was like, what what is a woman who has impacted your relationship the most? And we both said you. So thank you for being in my life and my husband's life and my daughter's lives. And thank you for being you. Thank you. And thank you for being in my listeners' lives now. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you all. (laughs) Well, there you have it. A conversation with my mom. These are always my most favorite interviews just because I feel like it's a piece of her legacy and I get to share a little bit more of like my life, my upbringing, my family with you. Like we said, I am more private than I think a lot of people know, but my mom is literally just my hero in so many ways. She is one of the coolest people I know. And I love getting to ask her not only your questions, but questions that I want to hear the responses to. So thank you for letting my family be a piece of this business and this brand and this podcast. It is such a blessing to share my loved ones with you. Thank you for being here. If you need to adopt my mom, she has become a mom for many of my friends. We recognize just how special and rare she is. And I don't take that for granted or take that lightly. I know so many people have challenging relationships with their mothers or don't have a mom in their life or a mother figure. 
And so I just want you to take her advice and to apply it where you see fit in your own life. And Mama Sue, we love you. And I hope that this episode leaves you feeling inspired and like a warm hug. Until next time, gold diggers, keep on digging your biggest goals. And thank you so much for listening to another episode of the podcast. I'm over here giving you a virtual high five because you just finished another episode of the Gold Digger podcast. Did that go by way too fast for anyone else? If you want more, head over to golddiggerpodcast.com for show notes and all the discount codes from today's sponsors. And if you're looking for a new crew of movers and shakers like you to bounce ideas and ask questions, be sure to join my exclusive community for gold diggers on Facebook. The link's waiting for you at golddiggerpodcast.com. Hey, Gold Diggers. Lately, I've been getting excited to finish furnishing our new home, which is why I want to tell you about a brand that we absolutely love, which is Article. I have been a fan and a customer of Article for years. I'm always blown away by the curated assortment of furniture styles they offer. They have mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandinavian, and even boho designs. There is something for everyone, no matter your taste. In our last house, we had their sofa and leather chairs. At our lake house, we have their dining table and chairs. We also just ordered some of their outdoor furniture for our new patio. Like, if you can't tell, we are obsessed with Article. The quality and style are top-notch. Article's online-only model means that they can offer some great prices with fast and hassle-free delivery. Pick the delivery time that works for you, and they keep you updated every step of the way. Article's customer care team is also amazing. They're knowledgeable, friendly, and always there when you need them. If you're like me and you're itching to give your home a makeover, I highly recommend checking out Article. They believe in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their commitment to style, quality, and affordability, it's never been easier to transform your space. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash gold digger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash gold digger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more.